Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Womb with a View podcast powered by Campaign Life Coalition Youth, where we talk about all things pro-life in Canada. We're your hosts, Maeve and Kim. Today we're going to dive into some dicey territory to discuss gestational abortion laws and the reasons why we oppose them. Within the Canadian pro-life movement, strategies for how to criminalize or restrict abortion vary from organization to organization. There has sadly been long-standing tension over this debate. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we don't all agree unanimously upon political strategy either. The reality is, in Canada, we are faced with an incredibly hostile government wherein only one out of the four major parties permits their members to vote in favor of pro-life legislation. Like, I can see why people see pro-life abolitionism as far-reaching, because the truth is that passing pro-life legislation is challenging, period. Yeah, like we saw this with Kathy Wagenthal's private member's bill, um, Bill C-233. Um, This was a bill that we supported that would criminalize sex-selective abortion. This bill to us seemed like a common sense piece of legislation. You know, like, who would be in favor of sex-selective abortion? Killing girls in the womb just because they're girls. Um, We even did a parallel event to promote this bill at the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. But, of course, unfortunately, the bill did not pass, and I really think our government is not currently in the position to pass pro-life bills, regardless of whether they're gestational or not. And I think this is why we need to focus on nominating pro-lifers to run in elections and being able to elect them at all levels of government. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And as pro-lifers, we aren't only working in opposition to the government that supports abortion, but also against the multi-billion dollar abortion industry in a feisty pro-abortion movement. They rapidly want to expand abortion. They're working towards being able to kill pre-born children earlier and earlier in the pregnancy. The abortion pill proves this. There's actually a website that was created by liveactionabortionprocedures.com that explains in detail how each abortion procedure is performed. It's a really great site. Um, We sometimes use it while doing activism to show people videos of abortion procedures. Um, And I would encourage anyone who does pro-life activism to always have these videos on hand. Um, But because they're animated, pro-choicers will discount these videos as not being how abortions are truly performed, and they call them unscientific. Um, But these videos were actually reviewed by current and former abortionists to be accurate, um, in the sense that they do depict a proper sequence of abortion procedure events. Yeah, exactly. So the abortion pill procedure is described as follows on the website. A woman visits an abortion clinic or doctor's office and ingests pills containing mifeprostone, also known as RU486, at the clinic. This drug blocks the action of the hormone called progesterone, which is naturally produced by the mother's body to enable the mother to sustain and nourish the pregnancy. When RU486 blocks progesterone, the lining of the mother's uterus breaks down, cutting off blood and nourishment to the baby, who then dies inside the mother's womb. 24 to 48 hours later, the woman ingests another drug called misoprostol, which can, causes contractions and bleeding to expel the baby from the womb. And there are so many health risks with the abortion pill because you're just in your own house, not supervised by a doctor or health care professional. Yeah, so obviously that's really horrific. And according to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the abortion pill complication rate is about 350% higher than that of surgical abortions. So being without like metal, proper proper medical supervision can lead to an improper evaluation of how much bleeding is too much. Right. 
Um, and we're also seeing an uprising in the increased rate of chemical and DIY do-it-yourself abortions. Um, regardless of what the abortion industry says, there's still quite a bit of stigma that exists surrounding abortion, as there should be, which is why the abortion pill appeals to many women, because when they find out they're pregnant and don't want to tell anyone because they're scared, um, they the misleadingly obvious solution would be to order the pill online and have it delivered to your door where you can take it in secret, like nobody has to know. Um, and the problem with this is that since no one is monitoring a woman who takes the pill in her home, she's at high risk for complications through these forms of DIY at-home abortions. And we've already seen the dangers of expanding access to the abortion pill in Canada, and it's only been available for five years. There was a story of a Texas man accused of slipping the abortion drug into his wife's drink. He was just lecturing her about like staying hydrated during pregnancy, so he brought her a cup of water. And she said, hey, like, there's this water looks a little cloudy. Um, what's wrong with it? And he just said, oh, like, it must have been a dirty cup or the pipes were dirty. And she drank it. Within 30 minutes, she was rushed to the emergency room. Within a Horrible. month, he tried six other times giving her a drink that she noticed had an unknown substance in it. So she got a little suspicious. She put in a camera and then caught him putting misoprostol in her drinks. Which, oh my gosh. Then she gave, luckily, she kept the drinks and she gave the evidence to the police. And he was, of course, arrested. His court date is December 2nd and he's being charged with assaulting a pregnant woman. The baby was born happy and healthy, but it's just scary that the husband was able to get this drug. Not only could it have killed his child, it could have been so dangerous for the mother. He probably doesn't know her medical history or what condition she has. Yeah, I, I read about that story and I think it's absolutely horrific and I think it shows it shows the dangers of um, or and and the risks involved in the abortion pill that's branded as this like easy, safe, accessible, convenient thing. Um, but in reality it opens up a whole can of worms and exposes the lie that abortion access is a good thing or isn't a good thing. Um, so something interesting that I learned recently about chemical abortion was that according to an abortuary in Mississauga's webpage, um, they list a number of things that could actually disqualify you from taking the abortion pill. So these include being over 10 weeks pregnant or having a C-section in the last 12 weeks and being ex or diagnosed with a blood disorder, including anemia. So I think that was the most shocking one. Um, many women are anemic without even knowing it. Um, and this is certainly a testament to the risks involved in chemical abortion, that you'll you'll likely bleed a lot after you take the pill. Mm -hmm. um, so during pregnancy, you're already at risk for anemia as your body and the body of your baby requires an increase in iron. So if you if you have anemia, you may not qualify for chemical abortion. But who's who is confirming this for women ordering pills in the mail? No one. <laughs> mm -hmm. However, to my knowledge, the disqualification for women um, with anemia to take the abortion pill is not common practice across Canada, um, which is concerning, but at least this abortion clinic in Mississauga is, you know, not in favor of, of women taking it if they're anemic. So right. Yeah, I think it's something like 1 in 10 women in Canada are diagnosed with anemia. So that's mm -hmm. very concerning that women could be unknowingly anemic and getting the abortion pill. So this expansion of access to chemical abortion certainly plays into the debate on gestational abortion laws and limits. Gestational limits would not protect the preborn children whatsoever. The hope mm -hmm. is that some lucky fetuses may slip through the cracks by becoming too old to be aborted. 
but these laws just narrow down the scope to target really young, small human beings, at which stage it is much easier to dehumanize them. Yeah. Older second trimester fetuses have the advantage of looking more human than, say, an embryo. They can be seen in an ultrasound, kicking and tucking their thumbs. They look more like a newborn baby than an embryo does and can elicit a greater emotional response. The younger the fetus is, the easier it is to dehumanize him and her, him or her. Yeah, exactly. And that really plays into our own pro-life activism strategies as well. Um, so our pro-life tools could become obsolete if we introduce, say, a 10-week ban. So first of all, about 90% of all abortions occur within the first trimester in Canada. Um, so we'd be legislating something that is already common practice in Canada. Um with an introduction of a ban like that, likely all abortions will begin to occur in the form of chemical abortion or the abortion pill. So for those of us who use abortion victim photography in our activism, so Kim and I, like we both do, Mm -hmm. Choice Chain, um, we're actually displaying these images of fetuses' dismembered bodies who were killed via DNC or suction aspiration abortion. With a 10-week ban on abortion, these images will lose their relevance because women will be t- killing their children via chemical abortion and flushing them down the toilet instead of um, using these like first trimester forms mm-hmm. of abortion. Um, so Mifajimiso is a threat to the pro-life tools that we use and that are at our disposal. So campaigning for an end to messy later-term abortions will just will result in a no less barbaric practice because the abortion pill is truly just as barbaric as, as any other form of abortion. Yeah, it's still killing an innocent human being. Like, look at some other countries that have gestational limits as an example. In Scotland in 1992, one year after RU486 was introduced, 16.4% of all abortions were chemical. In 2016, that number changed to 83%. Wow. In Norway, 87% of all abortions are chemical. In Sweden, 92. Finland, 96. And these aren't by any means conservative countries that just love saving babies, you know. Their governments <laughs> just knew that since even the vast majority of pro-choicers are against abortion after the first trimester, a 12-week or a 10-week ban would be nearly impossible to change. Say, for example, we could convince the Justin Trudeau liberals for a late-term abortion ban or even a second-trimester abortion ban. If we treat it like a stepping stone, we would never get to that last step of a total abortion ban. We would hear complaints like, why can't you guys just compromise? You know, like, leave it alone. We gave you these abortion bans. Just compromise with us. But we can't compromise. We can't draw an arbitrary line saying, okay, it's okay to kill these children at 11 weeks and 6 days, but not children at 12 weeks. What happens in that one day? Mm -hmm. We know human life begins at conception, so we need to protect all life from conception. In Canada, we don't know how many abortions are chemical because it isn't required to report to the CIHI. When we saw Roe v. Wade overturned, there were trigger laws, and some states banned abortion right from conception, and it's working. Um, yeah, and I another problem with the abortion pill is that a lot of women would now be be forced to rush their decision only to regret it later. So exactly. by banning abortion at 10 weeks, we'd just be narrowing the window during which a woman has to make the decision to seek an abortion. Um, And she doesn't have time to consider keeping her baby like she does now. 
um, the first few weeks after finding out that you're pregnant when you weren't planning to be pregnant um, can be really stressful um, and arguably the most stressful point is those first few weeks after finding out um, and so the added stress of knowing that abortion is illegal and inaccessible after 10 weeks could push women to make much more rash decisions so they're like okay it's it's still on the table I still can get an abortion I just have to make sure I do it within the next few weeks yeah um, instead of you know the the opposition to that where abortion is you know completely criminalized and she doesn't have the option to to have an abortion um doesn't have access to the abortion pill and similarly the situation we're in right now where it's like okay she could have an abortion at any point in pregnancy so it just makes things a little more complicated um and can push her to make more rash decisions however i don't think the abortion pill will ever, ever truly go away unless we're able to to ban it um yeah um so i do think there's also the option of of reversing the abortion pill so that's kind of the silver lining is that Mm -hmm. there is the abortion pill reversal um so it is possible to take progesterone after taking the first abortion pill um which is really great however once again it's like a really a really narrow time frame Mm -hmm. which is not a good thing to to fall back on with something like a 10-week ban um if we could pass a law banning late term or even second trimester abortions it wouldn't be a stepping stone to banning all abortions once again it would just be it would just you know be the end of the abortion debate in canada and like how could we possibly narrow the scope further once we are at that 10 that 10 week point or that six week point um it would be a lot harder to to make that change so we know that gestational laws don't really protect any preborn children. They're just narrowing that scope and making it a lot harder for us to to, mm-hmm. to narrow the scope even further. So Right, so we've talked a lot about what laws we wouldn't support. So let's talk about what kind of laws that we want to see. Yeah, so of course, like CLC, we're in favor of incremental legislation, which is legislation that supports and protects unborn children without being discriminatory towards mm-hmm. other preborn children. Um, so we want a law under the criminal code because it would contain the legal provisions that protect everyone from attacks upon our lives. So we want the criminal code to be amended. That's our our main our main goal is to yeah. amend the criminal code to make it an offense to take the life of a preborn child. Um, and there are other incremental strategies that aren't gestational as well. Right, like for example, Stephen Harper, his conservative government successfully defunded overseas abortions. Yeah, and that was great. Um, Justin Trudeau, of course, refunded overseas <laughs> abortions once he was elected. Um, and he continues to pour millions of dollars, millions of taxpayer dollars into the funding of abortion overseas. So Right, it's just crazy that we're sending money to other countries to kill their children. Another strategy is defunding all abortions in Canada. Taxpayers shouldn't be funding any elective procedures in the first place, let alone procedures that kill preborn children. Yeah. Um, we also need to, another thing that we can do incrementally is to protect the conscience rights of healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right now, they can refuse to perform abortions, but they still have to refer patients to someone else if they do not want to perform abortions themselves so if a doctor or a nurse or a healthcare professional is against abortion they they should be allowed to to have no part in them at all like they shouldn't have to refer to an abortionist um and pro-life pharmacists should be allowed to refuse 
filling a prescription for the abortion pill Mm -hmm. and needing to refer them to someone else um, or not being able to counsel women against having an abortion goes against their conscience rights as healthcare professionals. Exactly. So for anyone who doesn't know, MP Kelly Block recently introduced a private member's bill, Bill C-230, which was supposed to make it a criminal offense to fire or force healthcare professionals to refer or be involved in an abortion procedure and euthanasia. It especially would give them the power to say no, And lo and behold, the bill was shot down in the House of Commons. So we continue to try to implement incremental legislation and elect pro-life politicians so that one day we can criminalize abortion. That's our dream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So hopefully our conversation today kind of gives you some insight into why we oppose gestational limits on abortion. I think the biggest principle is just that it's wrong to discriminate against those preborn children. So on a moral basis, obviously there's some issues with gestational limits, but it's also not the most effective approach to take mm-hmm. um, in terms of how we can best um, protect preborn children. So I think gestational limits really pose quite, quite a problem. Um, And that's why we reject them. Um, It's not the best strategy. Um, And perhaps maybe you'll even just think more about your own pro-life ambitions and what strategies you think are suitable to adopt. So, Mm -hmm. of course, like there's these disagreements in the pro-life movement on which strategy is most effective. And there's different principled approaches that different pro-life organizations in Canada take. Um, And of course, we all have our disagreements. But at the end of the day, I think at the core of this movement and at the core of each organization is the desire to protect unborn children. Um, And so I think that's admirable no matter Mm -hmm. what like incremental strategy or, or legislative strategy or political strategy you wish to take. Um, So all in all, you know, thank you for tuning in. Um, And we hope that we can catch you next time on the womb with a view podcast.